This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. This is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Well, today, our guest is Laurel, Mississippi native and former chairman of the Mississippi Democratic Party, Ricky Cole. Ricky is a fifth-generation Mississippi farmer who's here to talk with us about the importance of knowing where your food comes from and how it grows. Plus, Michelle and I will have the latest stories in the weekly roundup. And if you want to be part of the conversation, hey, give us a call. It's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877 877- 672-7464 or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, today our guest is Laurel, Mississippi native and former chairman of the Mississippi Democratic Party, Ricky Cole. Ricky is a fifth-generation Mississippi farmer who's here to talk about the importance of knowing where your food comes from and how it grows. I will welcome Ricky later on in the show, but first we're going to talk about the latest stories in the Weekly Roundup because there's a lot of stuff going on. I guess the first thing is there's this strange thing that's going to be hitting your windshield over the next couple days. It's called rain. I know we don't get much rain and we haven't had much rain. I mean, it's unbelievable how much, how dry it is out there. So that's what's going to happen. It's going to rain. And what's going to happen is when it hits that windshield, everybody's going to completely lose their mind and forget how to drive. So stay away from everybody, but turn your lights on and be careful. I'm, I'm actually very glad it's going to rain because, man, I tell you what, um, my grass is very crunchy right now, which is it, fine. It rained yesterday. Um, on, oh, you got some rain? A, lo- a lot of rain. I heard the thunder and it's a little thunderstorm. Oh, wow. Okay, up. I got some jealousy. Because, yeah. I mean, it just spit at my house. So <laughs> it was on that. But, hey, a lot of stuff going on. Of course, we'll have Ricky on a little bit later in the show. Michelle, how are you doing this morning? I am wonderful. I love the weather change. You know, I'm a December baby, so I can't wait um, for fall. So fall is here to me. Yeah. And I'm excited. The I tell you, it, it was like summer was going to – it was like that guest – at the yeah, party that never would leaves. never leaves. You know, you're just sitting there looking at your watch saying, okay, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to go. And, and you know, I mean, it's like, oh, it was hard to believe. I was like, why, I, why do I have leaves down on my yard when it's and like 98 degrees? Right. And you, speaking of leaves, the leaves started um, falling about three weeks ago, three to four right. weeks ago. Walking into work, I was looking at the color changes, you know, on the leaves and the trees and laughing. I'm like, nature knows what time it is, but <laughs> I mean, the sun just won't go away. The heat won't go away. So it was funny watching the um, the world turn into fall, but we never actually felt it. Yeah, it was like, it was like Mother's Nature's like, okay, just because the temperature's not doing it, we're going to do it. But, exactly. But I was like, oh, man, and now i got to start raking. And I'm morally against raking. I really? hate it. Oh, yeah, it drives you me like crazy. You like cutting grass better than raking? Uh, I don't like either, to be honest with you, but I do it. And, uh, you know, my neighbors seem to not like the fact that I don't like to rake, so right. I try to get out there and do it. But, yeah, with it being dry and everything, it's just like, ugh, it's all and dusty. And I have a lot of pine um, straws in my yard. I pulled out this morning and looked. I'm like, woohoo. 
somebody has to get out there. <laughs> See, what I like about that is, and this is the cheap side of me, I can rake all the pine straw up and do my beds, and it, it doesn't cost me yeah, anything. True. There true. you go. It, it, it looks great. good, too. Hey, so how was your weekend? Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. It really was. Started off Friday, the Pretty Cow Contest at the State Fair. Let's pause right there. Yeah. So we talk about, oh, no, we got lots to yeah. talk about no, there. We've like got that. some things to unpack. Um, pretty cow. And yes. I say this every year. How do you judge a and, pretty and, cow? And cow why cow? do I have the qualifications <laughs> to do it? That might be a better question. Well, you know what? I guess today probably has more qualifications to judge a pretty cow. No, he, yeah, definitely. He could. De- <laughs> he knows what makes a like, cow pretty or not. They're like, what? Marshall X kind of suspicious that you know what a pretty cow is there. Aren't you from the city? Okay. Well, I tell you what, how I got roped into this. Sherry Lucas, longtime uh, entertainment reporter for the Clarion Ledger, and then she's now on her own doing amazing things. She couldn't do it one year. So this was back 20 years ago, right? She said, Hey, Marshall, could you take over for me this year? And I said, Sure, Sherry, I'd be glad to do it. I'll help you out. I'll be glad to do it. So I go and judge the Pretty Cow contest, and they give me some Mississippi State cheese. I'll go ahead and plug the cheese, best cheese in the world. And I'm like, I'm not letting go of this. So I didn't let her have it back. And she is still mad at me. I'm sure. Oh, she is like totally. I'm, and I'm thinking one year I may just go ahead and give her my cheese just as kind of a piece. You're wrong for that. You know, olive branch on that. But we had a great lineup this year. I did it with Kim Allen um, from another radio station, mm-hmm. I guess. I, we can say the radio station, can't we? Uh, no, let's not do that. No, no, you're shaking your head. We all know who she is. You see her on car commercials, too. But anyway, so she's done it with me probably for 15 years. So it was fun. We had a good time. Um, So what's the correct? What do you look for? Do you have a list of things, your checkoff? Number one, this is not me going around and saying, well, this cow's eyes are just absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) The eyelashes are The eyelashes are so long. And (laughs) what a gorgeous eye. No, 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 no. What this is is literally this is probably the cutest thing you will see in your lifetime. They take 1,500-pound dairy cows, they dress them up in costumes, and they're led around the ring by a little child who's probably six years old who could get drugged by that cow if it got really mad. I mean, we're like on the edge of disaster all the way through it. The costumes, uh, Michelle, I tell you, the costumes will absolutely blow you away. Now, you know, obviously, the parents are jumping in there and right, they're, they're doing course. that, but that's fine. That's part of the deal. But... This year's contest was the hardest one we've ever had to judge really? because they were all so good. You know, sometimes you get one where they, they'll dress the cow up like a birthday cake or something, you know, and it's like blows you away that they put that much into it. And then somebody will wrap their kid in newspaper. <laughs> I mean, they're not their kid, their cow. Right. And well, the kid, too. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, but you're not going to win. But wow, you know, there's somebody with. And to me, I think the thing that's most amazing is how incredibly patient the cows are. <laughs> because anybody who can put socks on a cow. And that cow doesn't, like, completely run to Canton, Mississippi. I mean, just a couple years ago, we had a disaster, almost. The cow got completely annoyed, shucked the costume right there in the middle of the ring, decided that it was going to leave the child behind. There wasn't no child left behind. It was a child left behind. That cow bolted, and luckily he didn't come toward us, or she didn't come toward us. Excuse me. That would be a steer if it were him. Anyway, the cow ran out of the ring. 
jumped over the the little fence and went running <laughs> off into the into oblivion. You and, know what? That, I mean, that, that tickles just, me so much because I can just imagine uh, the therapy for the cows after this contest or the conversation in the cow pen before the contest because they know it's coming up. Oh, they're talking. They're like, they're like, oh, I can't believe it. Or who's going to do it this year? Yeah. I'm like, who are they going to choose? And when they go with to choose a cow, the cows are kind of moving to the back. Yeah. Like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. They're like, me. Daisy, can you believe I'm having to do this again this year? <laughs> It's like the third year in a row I've had to put on makeup. It's incredible. <laughs> well, the winner, the Hayesview family, uh, they had a Jersey cow, oh. which is absolutely a gorgeous cow anyway. But they dressed this cow, and I'm not kidding you. They dressed this cow up as a circus tent oh. with lights, wow. with lights. And um, the, the slogan, which always has to be a milk theme, of course. Uh, said milk sends Dumbo soaring. So the head of the cow, which was poking outside of the tur- the, the tent, was Dumbo. Oh. They put elephant ears and a trunk on this cow. <laughs> it was the it was incredibly cute, but it was also like, wow, you have completely defied every law right. of, of cowdom possible. Because can ca- we see pictures of this? I wonder online. Yeah, I'll post some. You can go to my social media. Um, I have posted actually, I posted over the weekend on my Instagram, which is Marshall Ramsey, or you can find me at Facebook at Marshall Ramsey or at Twitter at Marshall Ramsey. But I posted that and I also posted some of the other, other uh, costumes too. And there's one that was stranger things. Mm-hmm. One has said that, you know, the almond milk talking about, uh, they, they make milk out of almonds. I've never seen stranger things. And then the kid had the big wig on just like the TV show. Oh, wow. That was really creative. Wow. Um, the second place. And I tell you, this was a tough one. The second place was a, a cute little girl and she had little round glasses on and she was riding in a little ambulance you know, they had made a little cardboard ambulance that she was riding around in with lights that worked. And, you know, you're just like going the thought and the creativity put into this. But it's it's wonderful to get to judge it. It's very, very difficult to disappoint kids right. that don't win. And that's probably the hardest part. And then you realize that there is a generally a livestock arena full of parents that are looking at you and you're but. You know, some years people are like, well, you picked the wrong one. But this year, I think everybody was pretty happy with all. What the- was the um, deal with the little girl in the ambulance? What's what was her cow? What her, was he dressed up? Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna have to look back at the picture. I, I remember her more than I did the cow because <laughs> well, she was she was gorgeous. That defeats the point, huh? <laughs> well, no, I don't think so necessarily. But it was just, hang on, I um, I have the picture right here, which I will hold up to the microphone. But ah, really, the cow, yeah, the cow had a little red. A little red um, thing on with the. It was kind of dressed up like a nurse. Oh, okay, that's cute. It was okay, cute. So yeah, that's a cute concept. Yeah, it was a cute concept. Um, no, it was really good. I mean, she was. Seriously, I'm going to show you this during the break, and mm-hmm. you're just going to go, aw. <laughs> so, I know. It's just so incredible. And I got my free biscuit at oh, the fair, yeah. which is you always know, important. Well, Kevin, um, Jason, and I, and Ezra went to the fair Friday, and. Uh, the biscuit booth was closed. What? Yes. Why? Uh, that's what we were wondering. I mean, that was Friday night, mm-hmm. and it was open then. Well, we went around. We left around eleven thirty, and um, I did get my ribeye sandwich, and it was. Is so that not the best thing? The good. beef, the beef folks do so such a good tender, job. Yeah. And I'm so shocked. That was my first year getting it, and I was not thinking it was going to be that tender or that juicy. It was delicious. I also want to give a shout out to, of course, JD Blueberry Farms. Um, um, Don Vanderwerken was on our show Friday to talk about the first ever Sweet Tea Festival. It's happening this weekend coming up, but in Poplarville, Mississippi. But he gave us a blueberry 
yogurt popsicle. That was one of the best things I've ever tasted in my life. That sounds almost healthy. It, it, that's what he was talking I mean, about. And then you went and had a donut burger, right? right? Well, yeah. actually, that's what we were talking about. I did not get my funnel cake after I ate that popsicle. I was, you, you didn't need it. It dealt, you know, my sweetness, my sweet tooth that I had. Your sweetness. Right, my sweetness. Okay. That was Freudian. It was so good. And um, Kevin had one. Jason had one. Ezra had one. And we were just smacking away. I mean, it was delicious. And not to the point... Like you say, you felt like you were eating something healthy. It was that good. It was delicious, And yeah. it was hot. It was hot Friday um, during the afternoon down there, so it was much needed. It was so good. And he had a booth set up right before you get to the Trademark Center. Blueberry tea, all-flavored teas, popsicles, and actually you can buy canister teas as well. So, oh, that's really uh, cool. I really like good. I really need to know that's from Mississippi because I'm a big fan of tea. Of course. And he has a great story. You can listen back to Next Stop Mississippi podcast on Friday show and get all the tea. <laughs> Like that pun, get all the tea from the uh, show. <laughs> you be, I bet you spent all weekend thinking I of that, did, didn't I you? Did. Yeah, I, you I did. really did. You look, you're so funny. Anyway, <laughs> I have my moments. I have my moments. Well, um, since I've already gone through this, the trauma of having a child turning 16, you're about to have this, the trauma of a child turning 16. Yes, uh, my daughter Jordan Marie will be yeah. turning 16. You know on what that means, Wednesday. don't you? What does it mean? You're getting old. Uh, yes, it yeah. does. But you know what? I think I say this every week, but the older she gets, the more fun I'm having. I'm actually having fun. It is fun. fun. I, I love my kids mm-hmm. older mm-hmm. now because, I mean, I loved them when they were young because we did all the fun things together. But now, you know, you sit down and we can talk and have on long conversations. Exactly. And that's what I love. I love how she comes to me and tells me about her day without me asking now. Yeah. And, Ma, guess what happened today? And I'm loving her enthusiasm about life. Maybe getting older she feels like she's going to get a car um i had to tell her this morning again yeah she said well can i have a car and she's probably thinking oh she's just saying that because she's going to surprise me exactly so she says um on my 17th birthday can i get a car i said yes so she knows she has a year yeah. to prove that she's worthy. That means you have a year. <laughs> I have a year. Yeah. But that gives me time, and I feel better. And she's not expecting this big car wrapped in a bow on um. Well, let, well, let me ask you a question here, and I'm going to go Dave Ramsey, which is my cousin. Uh, but are you going to require her to put some skin in the game to make an investment um, into the car? We actually talked about that. Yeah. Two weeks ago, um, yeah. we were talking about jobs, and she really wants a job. She wants to work, of course, at a Foot Locker, Hibbets, or some sport. Oh, sure. That way she can get a discount on, on gear. On all her gear. Mm-hmm. She's a basketball player. So um, I said, you know what, Jordan, that might not be a bad idea. They don't have, they're not required to play um, summer league. You know, she plays summer oh, league yeah, yeah, all, yeah. every summer. But I thought about it. You're not required. It's not a requirement, so it's a choice. If she doesn't want to play summer league this summer, I may look into getting her a job. Well, she can get a job, and she can raise a little money, like you said, and pay for something with the car. Maybe her insurance and things like that. I don't want her to keep the job while she's in school. Just a nice summer job to, you know, get them summer money. Right. Yeah. And, it's it, like I told my son, your job is to get really good grades so right. I don't have to pay for your college. Right. And, and but, you know, I, I think when they put a little bit of skin into the game on the car, mm-hmm. they tend to take better care of them. Right. Because they have an investment in it. And everyone's you know? telling me, even Jason and everyone around here, even Allison, autocorrect um, every Thursday at 10 o'clock. Allison said, do not buy Jordan a brand new car. Never buy your oh, child. No. Oh, a new car? Oh, no. My, <laughs> not new, new. But no. Oh. Like, like, not even, because, see, I want her to go, get to school and come out with the Mustang and the baddest car. And I'm like, okay, do that. She'll my kid, never Yeah, my kids it. have nice cars, but mm-hmm. one of them has 170,000 miles on it, and the other one has 167,000 miles right. on it. They are not fancy. I mean, they're nice, mm-hmm. and they keep them clean, and they're, and they're good cars. They're just high. 
I just am not going to sink my whole life savings into my children's car. Right. That said, one of the things you will discover, and it's completely terrifying as a parent the first time your child drives away from the house mm-hmm. by herself or mm-hmm. himself in my I'm case. I'm not ready for that yet. But Ooh. I tell you what's nice is when they have 6 o'clock in the morning practice. And you don't have to get up in the morning to take them to practice. And you're, you know what's funny? She, her yeah, argue, that's, that's a good thing. That's her argument every day when we go to practice or go to parties and things like that. I have to drop her off and pick her up. She says, I bet you wish I was driving now. But I know you too well. <laughs> you don't want to let go of that time with her, do you? <sighs> the, that's going to be hard. The scariest thing for me is uh, other people on the road. You know, well, I, yeah. want her, <laughs> I want her to make it back home to me. Yeah. So that is very, that's that, that. Getting her, letting her get behind the wheel and saying goodbye, that's going to be challenging. Yeah. I tell you what, and, and, you know, people these days are so distracted, and a lot of it's because of the phones. But, I mean, literally, I've had people just pulling out in front of me because they're looking at their phones. I'm like, stop, folks, wake and that up. That scares me. I know. And then when your child's out there doing it, you're like, help. Well, tell people they can give us a call. Yeah, give us a call. We're, we're, we got, yeah, and I tell you what, I want you to call because I walked into the store the other day and it was completely decked out with Christmas decorations. Do you think this is too early to do that? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. Or you can call us and just tell us what's on your mind. This is now your talk. Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, welcome back. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Coming up, we're going to have a good show today. We're going to take a you know, we're going to take a few more minutes to talk about some of the topics of the day, and then we're going to, of course, have our guests come in. It's going to be Ricky Cole, and we'll tell you a little bit more about him as well. Michelle, seriously, so it's like 98 degrees. I got back sweat. I'm like about to melt like the Wicked Witch that's been in a sauna. And I'm walking into this big store, and the thing is completely decked out with Christmas decorations. And I swear I think it's been that way since July. Now, let me ask you, are you a Chris, you, do you like seeing the Christmas decorations? Does that bring you great joy or does it just bring on stress and you're like, wait a minute, it's way too early for this? It's so funny you ask me that. Everyone who knows me knows I love the holidays. So starting now, October. You're good for it now. November, okay. December, I am, I walked in another big box store Saturday to order my daughter's sweet 16 cake and I saw big, beautiful Christmas balls and trees trees and I was so happy. I love Christmas. Um I can skip over Oh, I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. Well, I'm not the I Grinch. Like I just like it when it's supposed to be. I can skip over uh Halloween. I like you know, I like the fall colors and things like that. I love harvest time, but I love Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, now it Thanksgiving. Just, See, and that so I think that's the root of all my angst on this mm-hmm. because I feel like that Thanksgiving gets a short shrift. I feel like it gets pushed to the side. Oh. Yeah, I mean Thanksgiving's awesome. And like, number one, you it get to fun. eat till you know explode. <laughs> that's awesome. But also too, I think you know I've always said Thanksgiving should be every day. It, it and you know what, like you said, we should be thankful and grateful every day. And you and I were talking earlier about um, children and do you think your children are actually grateful for what you do for them. Um, You asked me, do I think Jordan really understands what I do for her? I don't know. You know, it's funny. If you give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING, if you want to chime in on this conversation, do you feel children uh yeah. if you know i know we give them a lot we want them to be happy we want to see that beautiful smile on their fa- their faces but do we give our children too much right now you well, know? it's tough because i think you know number one my job is not to be their buddy my job's not to be their best friend or whatever and so you know i mean you want them to make you happy but that's not their job 
their job's not to make me happy. I mean, I'm very proud of my children, and they do make me happy. But my job as a parent is to have to help them grow and get yeah. through stuff. So you know, it's tough. And there are times sometimes when you when your kid leaves all the doors open in the cabinets or does whatever, and you're just like, oh, it's terrible. But then you then someone calls you or you run into somebody and they say, oh, what your son is great. He's fantastic. And so. That's the, the appreciation sometimes, you know, you're, you know you're not going to probably get it inside the house, but it's always kind of neat when other people notice that your kids are actually being polite or being kind. So that's a, that's a good thing. So that works out pretty well on that. I, I don't know. It's a tough thing. Um, but, like I, but like I said, when sometimes when, people, when other people notice how polite and, and appreciative your children are, you realize that maybe you're doing something right. We got Adrian in Mobile. Hey, Adrian. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey there. Welcome. Thank you for calling. What's on your mind? <laughs> Oh, well, um, I was just going to chime in about the Christmas being out early. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm an artist here on the Gulf Coast area, and if you're somebody who does events or you make things or whatever. Oh, sure. I tell you, having <laughs> the Christmas decorations out early is really nice so you don't have to scramble, you know, in a, in a month to get some things done. So um, that's emotionally yeah i don't i don't like them being out so early because it's like no hold on because like you said thanksgiving is my favorite yeah too, because you just get to get around and you know be around family and and just be thankful that you're all able to do that so well tell me what kind um, of art tell me what kind of artwork you do um i am mostly a seamstress I, oh wow I, I yeah i do uh alterations bridal alterations costumes though I, I i went to the university of south alabama in uh theater so i learned how to uh do my sewing there so i've you know put together some interesting things especially around this time of year people uh, come to me with some really interesting costume ideas oh i can fun. imagine yeah i'd imagine october is yeah. probably pretty busy for you on that and then, yeah. then we're leading up to june i would imagine too with the wedding dresses you would think so, but yeah. not here on the Gulf Coast. It's too hot to have a wedding outside. <laughs> you know, well, and on top of that, you know, you're starting to get into hurricane season, and it's monsoon season, yeah. and it's going to rain like crazy. But, um, yeah, I, and also, too, I guess when you're in the business of selling things, and, of course, I've done that with books and everything, too, I do like this time of year because I think, you know, you do like 60% of your sales are always going to be toward Christmas because that's when everybody right. buys anything. So I guess it's good to, to get started early, but I don't know. It's just hard to get in the Christmas spirit when it's 100 degrees. When it, I know, I know, I, I, I feel you on that, totally. I'm like, oh, Christmas and I'm sweating. I know, Santa's coming in, he's got back sweat all over him, you know, he's about to die. So, it's like, ho, yeah. ho, ho, it's hot. You know, the first two letters of hot are ho, so there you go. That makes all the Well, Adrian, thanks for calling, and, um, you know, yeah. what a cool thing you get to do for a living. I'm pretty impressed. I, I am blessed, yeah. Uh, I appreciate y'all just putting this show out there it's fun just to kind of kind of talk about these little things oh yeah you know and, and we have great <laughs> guests too it's always a lot of fun but of course you calling makes all the difference thank you so much well thank y'all have a good one i appreciate it i appreciate all it right. um I, I tell you i gotta throw something out here real quick michelle friend of mine actually you know i met her through jeremy jungle and came on the show jeremy had cancer he fought it off he's 33 he had colon cancer he went and, and hiked mount Oh, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa as part of a fundraiser to help uh, live strong. And one of the people that he met, and she came to his one of his fundraisers here in town, was Wendy Choji. 
Wendy was a breast cancer survivor in 2001, since this is obviously Breast Cancer um, Awareness Month. And she her cancer came back later on. She was a television anchor in, in Orlando, absolutely charming, lovely human being. And something kicked in with her, and she became like an endurance athlete, and she just lived every single moment from that point on. When her cancer came back, she fought it with all just all the passion and all the energy you would expect. And I found out last week that she passed away, that the cancer took her life. And I was so angry when I found that out, not because that she passed. I mean, she's at peace now. But I think what really made me angry was that cancer took another bright star out of this universe. But then I thought, you know, it may have taken her body, but there's no way it could take her spirit. And I just sat there and I was having a really bad day. You probably had those days, too, where you're just like, oh, this is horrible. I hate today. And I started I just saw that. And I suddenly realized, you know, I think the best way to dedicate something to somebody like Wendy is to just go out and live your life as best you can every single day and try to do like she did. And I mean, it was seeing all across the country, there were people and I got to really know her through social media and so forth. And I was just so proud that I got to meet her and get to know her. And she was such an inspiration. And I just like, you know, hey, it's Monday. I know it's a rough day for a lot of folks. Of course, a lot of you, some of you got off. So I'm not even going to I don't even want to talk to you. If you've got today off, I'm so jealous. Yeah, they, you know, like you said, Jackson Public Schools were was out yeah. last Monday. And so this Monday, the other um, districts are out today. So, you know, the highways. Yeah, why were they off last week? Was um, that their fall break? That was their fall break. Okay. And they just did it separately, which is cool. But did you know the boss's day is Wednesday? Really? So, um, oh, I've got so many bosses, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> boss's day is Wednesday. And tune in tomorrow for um, Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Butchers. We're going to talk about how, what it is to be a leader what how should you be become a good leader how do you become a great leader what it, are the characteristics of a great leader and not just being a boss so can i throw gonna, in, can i throw in my two cents on that yes uh somebody who lifts up their employees not, not somebody who necessarily tells them what to do exactly so we're going to have a lot of great calls please tune in tomorrow at 11 a.m we want to hear from you we want to talk about uh what do you think a great leader um embodies uh Talk about great leaders of the world and or not great leaders of the world. What were some things? I want to talk about that. Some other leaders that were in the world that um, weren't so great, some characteristics of great leaders and things like that. Yeah, that'd that. be a so fun show. Susan's always great, too. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's so brilliant. Hey, now, what did you get Jason for Boss's Day? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. You picked, it up, the the radio, fair, you picked it up at the fair, didn't uh-huh, you? I have his little teddy bear, Fuzzy. No, his bear has no hair because it has to match him. So that's okay, that's that's awkward. It looks like him, you know. Yeah, he's he's probably crying right now. <laughs> Thank you on that. <laughs> you know. All right. Well, wait before we go, um, you're okay. talking about um, holidays. Don't forget, uh, Mistletoe Marketplace uh, is uh, November sixth through the ninth. Yeah, Junior League does such a great yes. job with that. And you know, we're talking about gifts, so this is a great opportunity to purchase some great. Unique holiday gifts for um, your loved ones. No one will have those type of gifts. So I love that. It's fun. I've sold books there many years, and it's just incredible getting to talk to the people. But you were, I mean, the vendors, I want to say, hey, shout out, eat your Wheaties, get ready, because it's, it's, it's a grind, but it's so much fun getting to talk to all the people. It's a treat. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, well, hey, well let's, let's bring, bring in our guest. Yeah, we'll do that. Hey, <laughs> that's what we do on this show, so we're going great. All right, we're going to take a break, um, but we're going to welcome our guest, Ricky Cole, in. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. If you'd like to be part of the conversation today, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Oh, I tell you what, uh, welcome to the studio today. Our guest is from Laurel, Mississippi, native and a former chairman of the Mississippi Democratic party ricky cole ricky welcome you're a fifth generation farmer who's here to talk a little bit about the importance of knowing your food and to tell some stories because you're pretty good at that <laughs> well it's it's always a pleasure to be with you marshall yeah, thank you for the invitation good to see you <clears throat> now i gotta tell something on you here Damn um uh, this was earlier this year i'm trying to remember time goes by so quickly now uh, i was i was tasked to judge a creative writing contest for the community colleges around Mississippi. And some of the stories were good. Some of them were amazing. And um, if I remember correctly, you were one of the top finishers on that because they were blind. I didn't know who mm-hmm. they were because I didn't have any names. But your story was one of them. Congratulations. I didn't realize you wrote creatively. Thank you. Um, I've always heard all my life that you're never too old to learn. So a couple of years ago, I decided to try to prove or disprove that, and uh, I went back to school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, what did you study? I went to Jones Junior College, mm-hmm. uh, majoring in agricultural economics, uh-huh. and uh, now I'm I'm finished at Jones, and I'm in my first semester online with the agribusiness marketing program at University of Tennessee Martin. Oh, wow. Well, so congratulations. I, was, I did homework last night. I'll do homework again. I tonight. tell you, I, I've done that. I'm getting my master's and I'm doing it online also. And, and it's great in one sense that you can control because you're a busy guy these days and you can kind of control your schedule and you can do it at 10 o'clock at night if you need to. But, man, it takes up some time. It does, although um, the the Canvas program yeah. that we use to log into is an incredible program. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to stay organized. Yes. You know, it's like having a, a virtual notebook. Um, the only problem is we don't have broadband service at the farm. So, oh. uh, so you got to go find a, a McDonald's or a coffee or, shop or, or something. Or do it on your phone, which is really interesting. Oh, that is. Yeah. I'm about to say my thumbs are way too fat for that. <laughs> so, and, and my eyesight's bad. Yeah, UT Martin's great. I know the chancellor there personally, and it's a... And I was up speaking there, so it's a pretty. But you've never been on campus, probably. Never, never. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you probably never will. That's what's until you walk. Well, hopefully, I'll go for graduation. Well, you go for graduation that's, when you walk. A yeah, while yeah. Michelle and I were talking about that because she's about to finish up her master's program, and this, in fact, next month it's gone by really quick. And it's like, can you actually imagine what it's like to walk across there? But that's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's somebody's your grandfather. I, I guess Everett Cole Senior. Um, they your family started farming what in 1944? Yes, um, the the coal side of my family moved from Bolivar County. They were sharecroppers in the Delta, and they moved to Northern Perry County in 1944. And my late grandfather, who was my earliest and greatest hero, yeah, um, went into the business of truck farming, and he started out with one pickup truck and wound up having. Uh, two 18-wheelers and about three or four bob trucks that uh, we loaded with uh, greens in the the wintertime and watermelons in the summertime and shipped wholesale to Memphis, sometimes as far north as Chicago, uh, New Orleans, Birmingham, all throughout the country. Uh, And um, he 
he was of that greatest generation. He wasn't able to finish the 12th grade. Yeah. But he was truly a self-made man. Yeah. And talk, you said, Grace, did he serve in the war? Dude, was he off? No, that? and no? That, that's an interesting story. Okay. Um, <clears throat> my uncle and my father were already had already been born, and Papa and his wife's uncle were about the same age, Uncle Kale, and they were called up in to go to Greenville for a physical. Yeah. Uh, to go into probably going in going in. To service. This was in 42, I guess. And um, so as they were getting ready for the physical, everybody had to disrobe. Yeah. And Uncle Cale, who was always uh, full of life, decided to liven things up by singing. And there were these 50 or 60 naked young men from the Mississippi Delta lined up, and Uncle Cale was singing to the top of his lungs some country music songs. And finally, it got next to one of the old doctors that was doing the exam. He said, uh, go on ahead and mark that crazy fella 4F. I just (laughs) can't put up with him singing. And so my grandfather spoke up and said, well, he's riding with me, and the doctor said, you can go too. Oh, wow. So that's how they didn't wind up in World War II. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Jimmy Rogers saved their lives. (laughs) Yeah. That's what they were singing on that. So, you know, you said he was a sharecropper, and then he ended up getting his own land. So he must have been, I mean, that's that was probably pretty hard to do, to save up the money to be able to buy the land. Well, um, it, it just happened to be at the right time, too, yeah. because um, agriculture had been in dire straits through the, the 20s and yeah. 30s, and it was only the war that created the boom that made it possible um, to make good money in agriculture. He he also had a side business uh, in addition to the greens. Um, in South Mississippi at that time, just about every farm had a cane mill and they made syrup. Yeah. And he bought all the syrup that he could buy and hauled it back up to the Delta where he knew, knew some friends who uh, used the syrup to make something that was illegal and hard to get. <laughs> Yeah, till about 1967 or so. Right, right, right. So he was an entrepreneur. Yep. That would be a good way to putting it. Any way to make a dollar, he knew how to do it. Well, tell us a little bit about your dad. And, of course, you you had a relationship with your grandfather. I mean, you got – how long – yeah. Papa Papa lived to be 94. He died in 2014, yeah. Oh, what a blessing. It's always cool to get to know your grandparents as an adult. Well, I was lucky. Um, Unlike myself, who waited to the the age of Abraham to start having kids – most of my folks, especially on my father's side, got married early. Yeah. So when I was a little boy, uh, my great-great-grandmother your, was still alive. Your great-great-grandmother. Yes. All the stories she, she must have was, told. She was, uh, she was in her 90s. She was, uh, she was a little bitty woman, and I used to love to sit and hold her hand and listen to her talk. And she had been born in 1878. And her father... Nathan Etheridge mm-hmm. was almost 80 when she was born. So many years later, I, I thought about and reflected on the fact that I had, I had held hands with a person yeah. who had held hands with a person who had been born in the 18th century. That, uh, the 17th, yeah, 18th century. That's 17, incredible. 1799. Wow. What, do you remember her, any of the stories that she told you? Uh, there was one in particular that was about the 
the time during the Civil War. And this was not a story that she remembered, but it was a story that her mother had told her. Um, they lived in uh, Marengo County, mm -hmm. Alabama. And the Yankees had come through and taken everything they could take and burned everything else. And all they had left was the peanuts because the peanuts were in the ground. Yeah. And the the boys and she, t her mother too, had, had killed some squirrels. And they killed more than they could eat. And so their mama wanted to salt them to preserve them. And they couldn't find any salt. So they they dug up the, the dirt in the floor of the smokehouse and boiled that in the wash pot. And the, the salt residue boiled out to the sides of the pot, and they scraped the salt off the pot to be able to salt their squirrels, to have salt in their diet. Wow. Okay, so we have nothing to complain about. No, no, no. no. That, that that war was uh, that war was was terrible for everybody. Yeah. On both sides, but but what what it did to the people who lived through it. Yeah. And what it did to the to the people who endured um, all those deprivations through that time really had. Uh, a deleterious effect on us even yeah. up to the present day. Right, it's there's definitely still echoes. Willie Morris used to say that uh, Mississippi had a lot in common, or the South had a lot in common with Ireland because we had both been conquered and occupied peoples. Yeah. Could you imagine, though, if you survived that and then you lived to be a ripe old age and then went through the Depression? You're, well, yeah. yeah, you're kind of like yeah. shaking your fist yeah. at the sky. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. There, there, yeah, there, and Mississippi, the Depression was tough. There were many formerly enslaved people yeah. who who lived their last years through the deprivation of the of the depression. Right. And you think about having lived through that and lived through Reconstruction and then through the the post Reconstruction Jim Crow, and then you've you've arrived at your ripe old age, and all of a sudden the Great Depression hit. You're, yeah. you're literally almost having to eat clay. They were they were uh, they were made out of strong stuff. They really were. They really were. Oh, that's what uh, just your grandfather just affected did the sharecropping and was able to do that and become the entrepreneur, which obviously rubbed off on you and on your dad. Tell us a little bit about your dad, Dad Robert Cole. Yep, Daddy is uh, Daddy turned eighty in July, and I'm sure he was up about five o'clock this morning, <laughs> and he's probably either either seeing to it that the cows are eating or trying to keep them from getting out or making sure that they've got water right now. Um, um, my father has never had a W-2 form. Really? He, has, he either worked with his father or for himself his entire life. Uh, and he has been in he has been in every situation imaginable that would, that would cause you to want to quit, and it never crossed his mind. Um, I like to tell the story about when I was when I was my son's age, my son is nine. When I was Jackson's age or a little bit younger, I really believed that my father could do anything. Partly because he would at least try to do right. everything. We had a situation where we had two tractors and you needed one for certain tasks and the other one for the other certain tasks. And the one of them one of them wouldn't crank unless you pulled it off. Mm -hmm. And he had gotten Mama to steer the tractor that wouldn't crank a couple of times, and he'd hollered at her, and she wouldn't fool with it anymore. Mm -hmm. 
So he got to needing that second tractor. So he, our our shed is up at the top of a hill on the road, and then our house is down at the bottom of the hill on a public road. And I was out in the edge of the field watching all this. So he hitches up the the big tractor to the smaller tractor with a chain and starts to pull it off down the road. And when he gets it to a good enough speed, he jumps off the big tractor. Yeah, like you're popping off a car with a clutch. He jumped yeah. off the big tractor. Oh, he jumped off it. He jumped oh, off oh, wow, the okay. big tractor, yeah. jumped yeah. onto the little tractor, mashed the clutch, put it in gear, cranked it, held on the brakes and choked the big tractor down. <laughs> then got off of the little tractor while it was running, moved the big tractor, got on the little tractor, and went on to farm it. And naturally, I had to run to the house and tell Mama about it. And from then on, Mama never said a word. She was happy to steal the little tractor any time he needed to crank it. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're right. He could do about anything on that one. <laughs> Nothing would stop him. Nothing would he stop could have him. been a stuntman. You don't yeah, pull that one off. Yeah, he, he could have been a dead man, too. <laughs> well, then there's that on that. So now you talk about... You, the farm that you're on now, is that mm-hmm. part of the family land? Yep. Okay. It's, it's home. So you're still it's home. home. It's the same 160 acres that uh, I used to sneak around on and hide and try to get out of work uh, 50 what you, years. What are you all farming now? Uh, it's mostly cattle right okay. now. Yeah. And uh, we'll have some, some truck crops again in the spring. What kind of cows? They're commercial Angus. Angus, all, okay. All, yeah. all except for two Mama cows. Yeah. And there's an interesting story about them, too. They're both Piney Woods cows. And the Piney Woods is a land race breed that some say are descended from when uh, um, DeSoto came. And, oh, and, wow. and And they grow wild. And these two Mama cows have a calf every year. Mm-hmm. They, they, they eat anything. They can forage through the woods. And they're they're and they're very disease resistant. And when we bought this herd, these well, there were three of them then. Um, Daddy really didn't want to buy them because they were sort of scraggly looking. I said, well, he's a man's not going to sell them to us unless we buy them all. And since then, he has done nothing but brag on those two mama cows for the beautiful calves that they produce, big, healthy, yeah. half Angus calves. So. Sometimes you do act better accidentally than you do on purpose. Uh, that sounds like my whole marriage. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about that, too, because you've got a good, incredible wife. But anyway, uh, we're going to take another break, and when we return, we'll continue with our conversation with Laurel, Mississippi native Ricky Cole. Phone lines are open. If you'd like to give us a call, it's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Well, we're, today we're had the pleasure of sitting down with Laurel, Mississippi native and fifth generation farmer, Ricky Cole. Ricky, it's good to see you. Thanks for uh, taking a little time to drop in and talk about some things. Real quickly, your wife's from New Orleans, but originally from Midway. Midway, that's in Scott County, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Her, her mama is from Midway. Yeah. And her her grandfather, Pete Kennedy, was a store owner and community leader. Yeah. 
and uh, was actually a civil rights leader, and is there's, there's a folder on him in the Sovereignty Commission. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. But Ayanna is a New Orleans girl. That's and, where her dad is from. Okay. That's where she grew up. you got a couple kids, too. Uh, you really proud of the fact your daughter, how was she, about 13 now? She just turned 14. She just turned 14. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You say that she's got a really good green thumb. She can grow anything. Uh, and uh, she's especially good with aloe vera plants. Oh, really? Uh, and those things are very prolific. But, yeah. But she's made, over the last couple of years, she's she's grossed uh, several thousand dollars. So you're saying the entrepreneurial genes pretty much made it through to your kids? Well, you know, I, I try to tell my kids that you can have as much money as you want to make. Right. You know? But you got to work. Right. But you got to make it. You got to work. I'm not going to make it for you. I'll show you how. You know, you're one of the things you're you're talking a lot about these days is, of course, food and what's mm-hmm. going on. And I've always, the whole concept of food deserts has just always blown my mind in Mississippi. Here we got some of those fertile soil. And, you know, I, was, I drove to Greenville last week, had the honor of speaking to the Greenville Rotary. I appreciate them having me up. But, you know, I mean, literally there's no grocery stores between right. here and there. You right. know? It, it, it's a terrible irony that we have the, the richest land as Tennessee Williams wrote, the richest land this side of the valley now. Yeah. Um, but we don't produce the food that we eat. Ninety percent of what we eat in Mississippi is produced outside the state, and a lot of it outside the country. Right. Um, we are, we're missing the boat on about $6 billion a year that we send out of state for food. If we were to keep one-sixth of that in the state, it would create 13,000 jobs. That's twice as many jobs as there are at the Nissan plant. Um, we have a 12-month growing season. Um, we have rich land. We have abundant water, which is a huge which problem huge, in yeah. other states. Right. And we have people who have the know-how. Uh, I think we just, in order to build effective local food system systems, they have to, all the stakeholders involved have to come together. And when we can get to the point to where locally produced food can be on the plates in the restaurants yeah on the in the institutional foods in the hospitals and schools and most importantly on the shelves in local supermarkets whether they're locally owned or national chains if we can get that access to the consumers you'll see uh, uh, an improvement not only in our rural economy our health which is too. starving yeah, yeah. but Diabetes type 2, cancer, heart disease, uh, obesity, all are connected directly to our diets. And it's because it costs too much to eat healthy in Mississippi, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And from from the practical side of producing food all my life, it doesn't have to be too expensive. I I can produce a superior product to anything you find in the supermarket, and I can sell it to you below the supermarket price. And most growers in Mississippi can do the same thing. But what? we're just not making the connection between the grower and the consumer. Uh, how? Okay. Well, number one, what's keeping that connection from happening, and how can you make that connection happen? Um, well, especially on the meat side, there are some, some bureaucratic regulations that make it virtually impossible, for instance, for me to be able to sell a steak to my next-door neighbor. So you got to sell it to a wholesaler. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've got to find four people who are willing to go in partners on a calf. Yeah, no more than four buyers, 
then they have to handle all the processing themselves at their expense and with their time. I I've, I have tons of meat on my farm, but I can't sell any meat. Right. Uh, and then when it comes to fruits and vegetables, it's it, it's it's largely a logistical problem mm-hmm. because you have these mega corporations that control so much of the retail market, Kroger and, and yeah. Walmart, who are not set up to buy four bushels of okra from coal down, right. down the street. So if if we have if we create some ways to to have a nexus there, mm-hmm. and if we get some of these bureaucratic rules out of the way, then you know farmers are only getting about eighteen cents of the consumer dollar. Um, if if you can direct sale to to consumers, you're getting a hundred cents out of every consumer dollar. If you can if you can have one middleman in between you and the customer, you can get sixty five cents out of the dollar. And that that makes a big difference. I mean, my knowledge of farming, I'll be really honest with you, is generally the giant far- garden we had in the backyard. I mean, to me, a homegrown tomato is the best thing in the world. Right. Uh, but I would think that, you know, for farmers that would be able to have that diversification and being able to do that, that would be good for them all the way. And also, mm-hmm. too, it would help cut maybe some of the reliance on subs- subsidies. Well, you know, our plantation structure is it has a financing structure and a capital structure and a marketing structure that's all um, ossified mm-hmm. to a certain extent because it's it's this huge in, in involvement of money mm-hmm. um, for a relatively small profit per acre. What's next for you? Uh, well, I'm going to keep growing things and yeah. keep helping my fellow Mississippians to grow things. Uh, and then when I get too old to grow things, maybe my children will. Well, I hope you're going to continue to write short stories, too. Well, I'm going to keep, keep living them, so I well, hope, I know I that, hope to write. You need to write some of this stuff down, because like I said, your uh, your story was fantastic. and, and Thank you. And, and I probably, if I'd have known that was you, I might have, who knows. No, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd let you win or not, but uh, it was it was good stuff. I'll probably write some more stuff. Yeah, you do really, really well at that. Well, Ricky, thank you for taking the time to come in. It's always good to see you. Thank you, Mark. And travel safe while you're doing Thank all your you. travels around the state. You and I both nodded on that and said, you know what? You can't understand Mississippi unless you get off the beaten path. That's right. Amen. Right. Ricky, good to see you. Thanks a lot. God bless you. All right. We want to thank you for sharing our time with us today. And I also want to thank Ricky for joining us as well. If you'd like to hear this show or any past episode, visit at mpbonline.org slash now you're talking and listen to your podcast. This podcast, also now you're talking, is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by the amazing Michelle McAdoo. Hey, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>